I'm Daniel Levine, and this is the Bio Report. Bacteriophage are viruses that target bacteria, though they emerged in the 1920s as treatments for infectious diseases. Because of their high level of specificity, they fell out of favor with the advent of broad-spectrum antibiotics. Biomics is developing both natural and engineered phage cocktails designed to target and destroy harmful bacteria in chronic diseases, such as cystic fibrosis, inflammatory bowel disease, and atopic dermatitis. We spoke to Jonathan Solomon, CEO of Biomics, about the case for phage therapies, the company's approach to creating a phage cocktail that could effectively target a population of patients, and why it's focusing on chronic diseases. Jonathan, thanks for joining us. A pleasure. Thank you for having me. We're going to talk about phage therapy, biomics, and how it's developing both natural and engineered phage cocktails to target harmful bacteria in chronic diseases. Perhaps we can start with phage therapy itself. For listeners not familiar with bacteriophage, what are these? Cool. So phage are basically viruses that infect only bacteria, right? So humans... We've got our set of problems, right, with like nasty viruses such as COVID and flu, et cetera. Uh, bacteria have their own problem and bacteria that are have predators which are specific for them. And that is a phage. It's a, it's, a, it's a virus that only infects bacteria. It's been discovered almost 100 years ago. It's almost ubiquitous in the environment. And the way it works is a bit like a scene out of Alien. So these um, phage look like a bit like the Apollo lunar lander. They attach specifically to a bacteria inject um, their DNA, their payload, and they basically hijack the bacteria and force it to produce multiple copies of the phage. The last thing it does is actually forces the bacteria to kind of burst open from the inside, releasing hundreds of phage. So remember the scene in Alien where an alien jumps out out of Sigourney Weaver? Uh, Here, it's the same thing. It's just like 100 aliens that kind of jump out of it. So quite a fierce enemy. These have long been used for therapeutic purposes, but since the advent of antibiotics, their use was largely in Eastern Europe. In the United States, they emerged as treatments in the 1920s, but didn't last long because of a lack of efficacy and the emergence of antimicrobials. How has the problem of antibiotic-resistant strains revived the interest in the potential of phage therapies? That's exactly, I think, you're highlighting the point, which is, you know, when antibiotics were discovered, they're actually better than phage, right? They're broad. They're not as specific as a phage. Um, They're very stable. You don't need to know exactly which bacteria you're going after. You're just going to give the antibiotic and it worked, right? What we're coping with now is, as you're mentioning, is a high number of 
patients that carry bacteria that just don't respond to antibiotics. So there is a frantic search for alternatives. And phage has been around for a long time. Uh, you know, as you said, there have been numerous compassionate use treatments. Um, and now we're actually starting to kind of master the usage of phage. And you're seeing more and more successful usage of phage. And I think that's why it's getting more traction as a way to overcome antibiotic resistance because the phage kind of infect and kill the bacteria in a mechanism which is completely different and orthogonal to antibiotics. Phage therapies lost favor to broad spectrum antibiotics because phage are very specific and narrow in their activity. How targeted are they? So I like to say that even they, they tend to be even too targeted, right? Because phage, for example, if you're going after a given bacteria A, right, and there's another bacteria it's actually not going to infect that bacteria because the phage is so specific. But the problem is, is that it tends to be even more specific than that. So for example, in our cystic fibrosis projects, we're targeting a bacteria called Pseudomonas arginosa or PSA. Now, although many of the CF patients carry PSA bacteria, if you take a representative sample, say you took 100 bacteria from different patients, although they all carry the same bacteria, it's not that a given phage is going to infect all these bacteria. So even phage are even more specific kind of targeting strains. And that's some of the challenge of phage therapy that, again, unlike an antibiotic, it's not that a single phage is going to infect all the type of bacteria you're looking into, right? Even within the family, you actually need to kind of use methods such as cocktail and, and a lot of evolution to kind of overcome these limits. In any way, can this specificity be seen as a strength? It is also a strength, right? I think one of the interesting thing, and, and I think kind of goes back to the point that you talked about, like why are we seeing more and more interest in phage, right? So the number one reason is antibiotic resistance, right? Patients are out of options. But the other one, to your point, is specificity, so long as you overcome what I mentioned before. Because there is now really interesting data, for example, Think about the new wave of cancer treatments, right? Immunotherapies that are blockbuster drugs selling for multi-billion dollars annually. Now, there's now evidence that patients that take a course of antibiotics before taking these treatments actually don't respond well to therapy, right? And that's sort of intriguing because you ask, what's going on? Why am I giving an antibiotic? That's sort of affecting the response to, to a cancer treatment. And the answer lies in the fact that some of the bacteria in our body are actually good, right? Not all bacteria are bad. Some bacteria are good. They're communicating with our immune system. They're modulating our response. They're helping us sort of cope with all of these environmental hazards. And actually, when you give an immunotherapy, having these bacteria in your body is actually good for you. So now there's appreciation that it's not good to kill all bacteria, right? And not all bacteria have been created equal. Some of them are good, and you want to have sort of like a therapy that spares the good bacteria and goes only after the bad bacteria. As you think about the landscape today, what's the opportunity for using phase therapies? So I think it's quite a significant opportunity, and it sort of falls into kind of the two categories that we talked about, right? There is one category, which is the emergence of antibiotic resistance. And, you know, we all know these horrendous cases of patients, young and old, that have um, encountered an infection that does not respond to therapy and are out of options, right? So in our case, we're seeing it in CF patients. But there are numerous types of indication cases that you can use phage therapy when antibiotics have failed. But there's the other category 
which are, as we mentioned, patients, you know, in the oncology world, right, that develop an infection and they still want to benefit from these groundbreaking treatments, they need a treatment that will be specific and go after only their bad bugs, right? There are chronic indications which are associated um, with bacterial infections. You want to see situations that you only go after the bacteria you want to go after, you know, the bad guys, so spare the good guys. And that's kind of the second case, which is very prevalent in many of the chronic diseases and could potentially also be a very significant market. This is where biomics is putting its focus this includes things like cystic fibrosis and inflammatory bowel disease. What role do bacteria play in these types of chronic conditions? So I think we can separate into into these two buckets, right? There are indications where, like cystic fibrosis, where it's very clear that a large uh, chunk of these patient population have a bacterial infection in their lungs. The bacteria becomes very dominant, Um and is pathologic. And, you know, these patients have been taking antibiotics all through their lives and are just not responding to therapy anymore, right? So these are patients that are out of patient, out of options, and they need an alternative, right? And that's where phage therapy comes in with inherent capabilities of overcoming antibiotic resistance um, and sort of providing an option for these patients. And we're seeing, you know, beyond our clinical study, uh, study in it, competitors have shown, and also numerous compassionate use at academic um, and, hosp- you know, academic institutions, hospitals across the world, right? So that's kind of one category. I think the second category, um, which we're looking into, again, CF is our most advanced program. We are keeping our eyes out for programs in inflammatory bowel disease and PSC, which is an orphan liver disease and atopic dermatitis, that you have bacteria that play a significant role in the disease, right? You can imagine that you cannot chronically treat these patients with antibiotics because you're going to get them in trouble. And you're looking for an alternative just to go after that bad bug. And that's where, you know, the other set of, uh, of programs that we have. We talked about the specificity of phage how consistent are the bacteria underlying these conditions from patient to patient? Can you develop a phage therapy that's effective across a wide population of patients with these chronic conditions? So I think one of the key takeaways, and I think that is the reason that you're seeing all the progress recently in phage is, is precision medicine, right? It's sort of, it's a term that was, is now being used extensively in, in cancer treatment and gene therapy, right? It's, it's a notion that we understand that everyone's different and all conditions are different. So for example, to give you a sense, in our cystic fibrosis study, what we do is in order to enroll in our study, first we take a sputum sample from these patients and we wanna make sure that you know, the patient has the relevant bacteria, want to make sure that there are certain levels of the bacteria, right? You don't want to sort of go after minuscule amounts of the bacteria. Um, So that's kind of entry criteria number one. And then we also want to make sure if we go back to what we talked early on about this super specificity of phage, right? We want to make sure that our product that's been optimized to capture a large percentage of patients that carry this bacteria is also targeting um, the bacteria that the patient has, right? So sort of like we're doing an ex vivo validation of the treatment before we treat, right? So that's the way we go into a treatment. So that's kind of the way you think about it. Now, in the case in CF, um, it's really interesting because a third of the patients out of 30,000 patients in the US, a third carry um, this specific bacteria, which is extremely antibiotic resistant, right? So that represents our large chunk of 
of the patient population. Um, in other indications, such as atopic dermatitis, the bacteria we're looking into also represents a large chunk of the population. Uh, we, you know, our collaborators in Japan just published a paper together with biomics uh, and PSC, which is another indication, again, kind of much, much earlier in the pipeline, uh, that you see actually the majority of the patients carry this bacteria, right? So I think we're looking at these relatively large uh, segments of different indications, because I think that's a hint that the bacteria is involved. But again, we will never treat patients before making sure that, you know, the target bacteria is there and we can go after it ex vivo before we go treat patients. The company is actually using a, a cocktail of phage. How do you determine the appropriate constituents of a cocktail? So that is actually the secret sauce, right? That's what's so complicated because just imagine, right, that we take um, a sample of CFP, you know, CF patients represent a bacteria from across the world, right? So we now have 300 different bacterial samples. Now, for every sample, we're going to, you know, look for phage, and we find a lot of phage. We can find 10 to 100 phage for every sample, right? So that already sounds like a big headache because out of this huge combination of, you know, hundreds of thousands of potential combination of phage and bacteria, right, we actually need to sort of decide on a cocktail, which is reasonable, right? We don't want a cocktail that has 100 phage. We want something that is less than five phage. So that's where the system kind of comes in and we actually iterate. And we actually look at all the phage and measure their host range and try to optimize it. We use um, forced evolution, which are ways of kind of forcing phage to evolve and mutate to kind of cover larger uh, host range. Um, think about that just to add to the complexity that if I take a given bacteria from a patient, so incubate it with a given phage, right, in a Petri dish and wait long enough, I'm going to have a mutant that is actually resistant to that given phage. Now I can take the mutant that sort of grew out of the soup and sort of do the iteration again and look for phage that would go after the mutant, right? And we can find another 10 to 100 phage. So it's numerous, numerous iterations until we have a cocktail of phage that is not too large, that covers the majority of strains that we see from patients across the world, that can overcome these resistant mutants, and add to it that we need all the specification of, of proper biological manufacturing, you know, good yields, rather, you know, it's got to be stable, et cetera, et cetera. So that's where, you know, the significant amount of money that we've invested in putting the platform comes into play. You've touched on cystic fibrosis. You're Lead experimental therapy is BX004 for chronic pseudomonas infections in people with cystic fibrosis. Can you explain what this is and what the unmet need is? Sure. Um, so cystic fibrosis is actually caused by a mutation in a single gene, um, and that actually damages transport of chlorine molecules that actually um, manifests in damage in all organs that have sort of a mucosal aspect, right? So the most famous is damage to the lungs, right? The, the mucus is, becomes very thick. It doesn't clear easily. And that's basically a substrate for colonization by bacteria. But there are other, other organs that are actually damaged in, uh, in CF, like liver, gut, kidneys, you know, reproductive system, et cetera, et cetera. So really a tough disease, but I think some of the new therapies there have actually transformed the field, right? So they're, they're small molecules that are trying to kind of help address the genetic defect 
And we've seen a revolution in the field in which life expectancies increase from the age of 30 to almost the age of 50. So quite dramatic, a huge change in the patient's um, outcome, obviously, but still these patients kind of succumb to bacterial infections. Uh, and that's a leading cause of morbidity and mortality. So as we look at 30,000 patients in the U.S., there are roughly 10,000 who are chronically um, infected by Pseudomonas aeruginosa bacteria and do not respond to given to antibiotics. And the reason is, if you look at the life course of, of a patient, right, at an early age, they get diagnosed, they have these like, you know, an exacerbation in which uh, they have an infection, they're admitted to the hospital, um, they're treated, right? And, and again, they sort of recover pretty quickly. They come in a few years later, they have another episode of a bacterial infection, they get an antibiotic, they recover, it's fine. It comes in later, you know, and all, all through the years, they're just getting like larger, larger doses of antibiotics as the mature population of CF, right? And by mature, I mean like patients above the age of 20, half of them are getting antibiotics all the time and the other half are getting antibiotics one month on, one month off, right? And, and you can imagine that all these long years of continuous antibiotic therapy is leading to a ton of resistance. And once they get resistant bacteria, then the situation becomes much more complicated right? Because the bacteria proliferates in the lungs, kind of produces damage to the lungs and sort of damages their, um, and creates fibrosis inside the lungs. So breathing becomes, you know, harder, kind of slowly, slowly lose um, the efficacy of the lungs. And on top of it, add to it that a lot of times when they see if patients kind of deteriorate, they actually get a lung transplant that improves their condition significantly. But patients that have um, an antibiotic-resistant strain of bacteria, a lot of times are not even legible for um, a lung transplant. So it becomes really complicated and a huge unmet need uh, in this patient population. Well, what is BX004 and how does it work? So BX004, OO4 um, is basically a phage cocktail uh, going after Pseudomonas aeruginosa. So we've talked about the platform and how we choose uh, these phage. So it's kind of cranking through the platform multiple, multiple times um, until we come out with a cocktail, which is less than five phage, um, has the attributes we talked about, right? A relatively good host range. So it covers the large majority of strains that we've seen from across the world. Um, it can overcome mutants. Um, it has all the attributes of like proper manufacturing um, and all that, you know, it's been tested and we take that to the clinic. And I think the exciting um, event for biomics uh, has been in February, which we've seen uh, a small study in nine patients uh, with CF that BX004 treatment for a few days has resulted in significant decrease of uh, bacteria. So it went by 95%. Uh, on average. Uh, again, small number of patients, but really exciting, especially given the short duration of the study. And, and again, these are actually patients that um, have been on therapy for years and nothing's been helping. Uh, so I think that's one of the, if not the first demonstration of efficacy with phage therapy in cystic fibrosis uh, patients. And again, in a randomly controlled study. Uh, which is very different than the whole history of phage treatment to date. Uh, there's been more of these one-offs. Here's an organized study, which is randomly controlled, blinded, that is showing uh, strong effect. And how is it delivered? 
Uh, so we deliver the phage therapy uh, with uh, nebulization, uh, so as a vapor. It sort of piggybacks on um, the patient's daily routine, right? So actually CF patients have quite a demanding uh, regimen uh, that take multiple different, you know, types of drugs and physical therapy to kind of address their the multiple issues in, in the different organs that are affected by the disease. But they're actually also taking nebulized antibiotics twice a day. So our concept was not to kind of overburden these patients more, but sort of piggyback on on the regime of their daily uh, regimen of antibiotics anyway, sort of have the phage come in as well. And, and is that unique delivery to cystic fibrosis or are you using that in other indications? So it all depends on the target organ, right? So the bacteria and cystic fibrosis sits uh, on the lungs and, and is accessible from the lungs. So that is a preferred route of delivery. Right. As we think about other indication, whether it's atopic dermatitis, that would be topical. Uh, whether you're going after um, inflammatory bowel disease, that would be oral. So it depends where the bacteria is. We, can, we need to go after it where, where it dwells. And what's the development path forward? So I think it's exciting times, right? We had significant data in February, again, in a small study, but, but exciting. Um, we are now running a larger study in 24 patients. 16 are getting treatment and eight are on placebo. They'll be treated for 10 days. Um, and that should read out at the end of September. If that looks good, um, then the next step is getting ready for a pivotal study um, and hopefully approval of the therapy. So not an easy feat, right? This is like a, a task for a few years. But I think if, if we see good efficacy in the part two, that'd be the second study that independently is showing um, the fact that the phage is reducing bacteria. Um, and after that, right, you want to go and get the drug approved. One thing we haven't touched upon is, which is an advantage with phage, it's considered a very safe modality, right? So the FDA in three different public workshops sort of advised and, and we've that's what we've experienced, that they view the modality as a safe modality that does not require um, animal safety studies or healthy volunteers. So that's another advantage because we haven't seen any side effects in our treatment. I think many others are reporting pretty much the same. So again, and it kind of goes back maybe to the discussion we had in the beginning of, in terms of advantages of, of phage therapy, right, which makes it hopefully a faster candidate to get approval. And what's known about the potential development of resistance to phage? Is that a, an issue? It's definitely an issue, right? I think we are trying to address it as much as we can in our uh, clinical study. Um, a few interesting data points, right? So one in, a, in a, one in a million bacteria is going to be resistant to a given phage, right? So if you develop, for example, a cocktail that has three different phage, which are truly different than one another, right, then you'll need more bacteria than mankind carries, right, in order to have resistance. Um, of course, you know, reality is more complicated, but a cocktail can give you the advantages of overcoming resistance. And I think another data point, which is interesting, is in some of the early attempts that were done um, in academic institutions to treat cystic fibrosis with like a single phage, resistance did occur after like 10 days of treatment. When we treated our patients um, with a phage cocktail, we didn't see any resistance, right? So again, it's early. It's the, just the beginning of the study. But 
we think that the key is actually designing um, designing a cocktail that has attributes of like anti-resistance, right? And and that's kind of the best way to go about it. In the future, hopefully if, if we and others succeed, right, and phage therapy becomes very uh, prevalent, then you can think about what happens in like the flu vaccine that over time, you know, every few years, you might a bit update your cocktail. But, you know, we're still in early days. Biomics became a public company through a merger with the SPAC in 2019. It's had some success with non-dilutive funding. It got a $5 million grant from the Cystic Fibrosis Foundation, raised another $7.5 million through a private placement. It's been a tough time, though, for public companies. Biomics is sitting with a $15 million valuation. How far will existing cash take you? Uh, so that's the good news. We actually have decided to be as conservative as can be. We have cash until the third quarter of 2024. Right. So the next value inflection point is, as we said, end of September, which is part two. And after that, we'll put our gun, you know, our sights on on like a pivotal study and it'd be a larger financing. So we are well financed into the next inflection point. But I agree, it's been it's been very, very difficult times uh, in the market. Right. I think we're seeing difficulties fundraising. We've seen valuations extremely depressed. I think we've been fortunate to have good supporters, right? The CF Foundation, Orbimed. Uh, J&J and others have been with us through this journey and strong supporters and just participate in the pipe that we did uh, in February. And, you know, in some ways I kind of joke that being a pessimist is an advantage because we, we were extremely worried about the market already like more than a year ago. Um, and that's, we decided to restructure, you know, make sure we focus on the single program, put the other programs on ice and make sure that we're well-funded uh, to execute on the immediate clinical milestones. Is the expectation that you would do a conventional financing or would you look to other partnerships or additional grants? Uh, so we are, you know, there, there's been this renaissance in phage recently, right? So it's it's garnering more interest. We're, we're getting more interest from partners, which is encouraging. Uh, we've seen it, I mean, you know, we've seen our clinical data. We've seen uh, another company, another phage public company with with data come in a month later. We've seen acquisitions. Uh, actually, um, BioNTech, the Pfizer COVID partner, bought a phage company in Austria called uh, Phagomed. We've seen investment of the AMR fund in phage. That's kind of the multi-pharma uh, venture fund that is trying to advance uh, treatments for antibiotic resistance, right? So, you know, we've seen an article recently on Nature Biotech and The Economist. Uh, so it's kind of a bit picking up uh, and we are getting more interest from partners. So I think that's on the table. But, you know, strategy has got to be multi-pronged. So we're getting ready, um, pending good data to do a large financing and take this all the way. It is possible in an orphan indication such as CF, right? It's a closely knit community. Salesforce doesn't need to be too strong, too big. Uh, so we can do that by ourselves. But I think we'll be opening kind of thinking about partners uh, and what we can do. To begin with, we've set up the company to be a platform, right? Because pending good data and CF, right, that's just the beginning. Uh, because there are other indications where they're, you know, A, the same bacteria that we're targeting, CF, uh, appears in other indications in the lungs, right? So people on artificial ventilators get infections with this bacteria. Uh, bronchiostitis patients have this bacteria. So can it expand with the same cocktail, with the same BX004, just in different indications? 
And you can also expand and say, hey, I've got other bacteria in the lungs that now that we have comfort in delivery of phage to the lungs that we can pursue, which are really interesting. And then other indications like, you know, the, the programs that we have and others. Um, so I think there's one, there's a proof, once there's a proof of the concept, you can sort of rely back and sort of go back to a platform and run more programs and kind of think how to um, mix and match and, and run the right partnerships on, you know, pending the different indications. Jonathan Solomon, CEO of Biomics. Jonathan, thanks so much for your time today. You bet. Thank you for the great questions. Thanks for listening. The Bio Report is a production of the Levine Media Group. To automatically download this podcast each week, subscribe to our RSS feed or through iTunes or other podcast manager. To join our mailing list, go to levinemediagroup.com. We'd love to hear from you. If you want to drop us a line or are interested in sponsoring this podcast, send email to danny at levinemediagroup.com. Special thanks to Jonah Levine, who composed our theme music, and the Jonah Levine Collective, which performs it. <laughs>